You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. God created the trees, God created the rivers, the oceans, and we see them and experience them you know, every single day. But there are more subtle things that God created. Some of those things would be taste. Some of those things would be smell. Some of those things would be emotions. Some of those things would be uh, the, the, just those subtle things in life. God made those as well. And again, he made us distinctive as human beings, that we have a, a greater sense of, uh, of, of these things as human beings. We can articulate them. We can enjoy them. We can enjoy them together. And yet, when you look at also the animal kingdom, God has brought things to them as well that are, that are less obvious. Today, we're talking about memory, the, the power of memory and remembering because there are many places in the scripture that God says, hey, I want you to pause and I want you to remember because remembering is actually an act of thanksgiving. Remembering is an act of recalibra- recalibration. Remembering is important. And so when you look at the animal kingdom, God has created in the animal kingdom this incredible level of, of memory. So, for ex- example, bottlenose dolphins. They have a, every dolphin has this unique uh, kind of a whistle, uh, you know, tone that they, they use. Dolphins can remember that, that those specific, dolf- the, you know, the other dolphins that have that same, you know, that unique call, even when they've been separated, are you ready? For 20 years. They remember that unique call in 20 years. I've got a picture I want to show you on the, uh, uh, this teeny little bird. This teeny little bird, his name is uh, Clark's Nutcracker. That's the name of this, this little uh, uh, unassuming bird. The, the Clark's Nutcracker, it hides pine, uh, pine nuts. As the as the you know the weather's starting to turn cold and getting ready for the for the the winter. Okay, well that's not a big deal, you think. But they hide them in a 15-mile radius. And the Clark's nutcracker can remember once the ground is covered with snow, it can remember specifically 30,000 locations in a 15-mile radius. Look what God has done. You see, the, the, these are the subtle things. Then I saw this film on this uh, on the memory of a chimpanzee, and it's fascinating. So I want to this this film, by the way, is audio. So I want you to take a look at this uh, film and uh, check this out for a minute. Professor Tetsuro Matsuzawa at the Kyoto Primate Research Institute in Japan has devised a memory test for the chimpanzees. His star pupil is a seven-year-old chimpanzee. Show him the numbers one to nine, and he'll put them in the right order, pointing to them one by one. Every time he gets it right, he receives a treat, a tiny piece of apple or half a raisin. But now, the researchers make things difficult. As soon as the chimp presses the number one, the rest of the numbers are hidden. He has to remember where the numbers were and press the white squares in numerical order. The positioning of the numbers is totally random. He gets it right time after time with lightning speed and 100% accuracy. 
in 0.65 seconds, he can remember the numerals in which numerals in which position. Now it's your turn. Did you get them? No? Try again. This time we'll run the sequence at half speed. Still too difficult? Try at a quarter speed. Okay, let me jump in here, so uh, we can cut the we can cut the film. So, so the conclusion for me is not that you know chimpanzees are smarter than we are. We just need more apples and raisins as snacks to uh, to reward us, so that we can. That, that would be my conclusion. Is that incredible? That's super incredible. So God has given us this memory, and He's given everything to be used. He's, in fact, we could go a step farther. He's given everything to be used for his glory. And so there are times where we, when we look at creation and God himself said, I'm going to reflect on what has been made. I'm going to, it's an act of remembrance to reflect. Genesis chapter one, we return and we're getting to the end of, of the story here. God saw that all that he had made and it was very good. He kind of looked at the whole thing. I mean, who wouldn't, by the way? He looked at the whole thing like, wow, I'm reflecting now on what has been made. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all, I love this, their vast array. I mean, the entire masterpiece. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, which means distinctive, set apart for a particular use. That's what holy means, because on it he rested from all of the work creating that he had done, the work of creating it all had done. So here's the first point I'd like to just, remembering is an intentional act. The Sabbath was an intentional act. It was a... A, a, a place where God said, I want you to intentionally do this, not just as a random thing that happens when it's convenient, but I want you to reflect on the vast array of what I have done. In a busy culture, I, of all people, know how difficult and challenging this is with all of our calendars filled up to stop at times and reflect on things that we're thankful for, reflect on the vast array of what God has done. So for just a second, I want you to to think about your memory, and I want you to, in your mind, think of one of your favorite memories. Maybe it was a vacation, maybe it was someone you loved who's not here anymore, or you're separated by distance, or whatever those things are. Do you have that in mind? What If you just like, hey, if you had five seconds, say, here's one of my favorite memories. So just the act, just think about it. God could have created us in a way that that wasn't capable, we weren't capable of doing that. So even the, the act of being able to remember a, something favorite is, is a gift of God. Now I want to switch the t- uh, tables. I want you to think of one of your worst memories, which is hard to do. I know it's kind of, that's a kind of a, you know, just took the air out of the you know, party balloon here, but 
if you think of like, hey, I'm going to think of a of something that like, wow, that was that was a tough moment. That was one of the most challenging moments of my life. It's also a gift. It's also a gift. Here's why. We like to just think, hey, we're just going to have happy memories and use that design of God. But we also remember those tough times because it was those times also, those valleys that God has also walked through with us. Life is not all about party balloons. Life is not all about the good times, but it's also about those challenging times where God brought us through. In the Old Testament, there is a thing that God keeps reminding the people over and over and over and over. It includes both sides of these coins. It's a negative memory and a positive memory. A negative memory memory and a positive memory. What am I referring to? I'm referring to the story of the Israelites when they were oppressed in slavery in Egypt. Egypt represents for us on a spiritual level, represents for us that time when we were oppressed by the world, when we were away from God, when we had no way out because they couldn't get out by themselves. It's not just a historical event on a timeline. It is a picture of every single human being, particularly those who have said, I want to follow God and get out of this thing. And so God is all, you would almost like to say, I want to forget about Egypt. Man, it was such a horrible thing. But if you forget about Egypt, you forget about the rescue. If you forget about Egypt, you forget about the lessons that were supposed to be learned in the wilderness. If you forget about Egypt, you have forgotten about the good that God gave, the, the, the good memory and the bad memory. They go together every, in life. And so there are times when you, you're in Egypt and, there's, and, and you're just like, man, I just like to, get, I like to erase my memory. But we can't erase our memory that it's there, but it makes us appreciate the promised land because we also remember Egypt. Does that make sense? Watch this. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, Deuteronomy, by the way, is kind of the commentary uh, book, meaning it's the fifth book that Moses wrote, the fifth and final book that he wrote, and it's kind of like watching the highlight reel of a sports show, right? And so like, he's, he's like, hey, let's review what has happened in these first four books. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, here it is. Now we tie in the first page of the Bible. Deuteronomy 5, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Okay, this is what we saw uh, in the very first page of the Bible. As the Lord has commanded you. Now watch, remember what was the point of the Sabbath? To remember that you, number one, were slaves in Egypt, and number two, that the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Remember these two things. The horribleness of Egypt and the incredibleness of the rescue. Remember these things. Sabbath on these things. Hover on these things. Why? Because it makes the present all the more precious when you look at the past that God has rescued us from. I'm going to repeat it again from verse 15. Remember that one, you were slaves in Egypt. And number two, that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore... The Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. In other words, the Sabbath was not just a time to like 
lay in a hammock and think about nothing. The Sabbath, the, the time of reflection was not just like, hey, I'm just going to go to the, the, to the beach and, you know, and, and fish or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. But the intentionality was to dip in, to tap into the memory that God has given us for spiritual reasons. In, in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9, the command is to remember the former things long past. For I am the Lord your God, I am God, and there is no other, and there is no one like me. In other words, that spiritual memory is designed to recalibrate our lives. Let's put it, let's make it practical. You wake up this morning, it's a Sunday morning, and uh, it, you know, you look out, sun's shining, sun's always shining in Florida almost, and you, you look out and think, hey, what a wonderful day. It's, it's easy to say, hey, what am I going to do today? What am I going to do in this afternoon? Nothing wrong with those. What are we going to have for lunch? Where are we going for lunch? We're going home for lunch. We're going to, you know, where to do this? We're going to do something with the kids. We're, you know, none of that. No, no problem with any of that. We all do it. But because of those things, we have to exercise a muscle that says, before I do and think of all those things, I'm going to remember on this day, this day is a gift. And this day is a gift because for those of us that know Christ and have a relationship with Christ, we remember that Christ brought us out from Egypt. So as I enjoy my lunch or beach time or kid time or whatever those things are, as I enjoy that, it's all framed in that I am a rescued person. It's all framed based on a, 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 a plan that God had, not just a time in history, but a time in your history. And it makes the day go different. It makes the perspective go different. Everybody has an Egypt. Everybody comes from Egypt. Some people here may still be in Egypt, to be honest. Some of you watching at home may be in Egypt. What do I mean by that? That you're in a situation, you're in a chapter in your life where you have yet to say, God, I need a rescue plan. I need to, I, I am in a situation where I have, I have not even reached out to you. But God has made you aware of your Egypt. What do I mean by that? God has made you aware of your need for God and maybe you're in desperate attempt to get out of Egypt on your own. How do I know this? Because that's my story and the story of a lot of people sitting here today. It's a natural instinct to try to get out of the box by yourself because that's what culture teaches us to do. You get out. You got yourself in this mess. You get yourself out of this mess. That's, that, that's culture. So what we do is we try the, the crowbar of religion to try to get out of the box. We try, we try to... The, the soothing of, hey, we'll just be better than, than other people. In other words, we'll, we won't do this, and we'll stop doing this, and we'll start doing this, and we'll, you know, all of a sudden we'll feel clean enough to get out of the box. And then the problem is the next day comes, and the, nec and the next week comes, and the next week comes, and we're like, and there is a moment, and this is the critical moment of every human being that we must be in Egypt and say, I cannot get out of the box on my own. And even though it's an awful moment, it will be one of the best moments of your life. 
Because that's and that time and only that time is when you call out to God. Why would you call out to him if you can get out of the box on your own? So God says, don't forget, the box is nailed. The box you can't get out. The box is taller and bigger and deeper than you could ever climb out of. That's why I'm here. That is the beauty of remembering. But if you're in Egypt, here's, here's the good news. Our God is a rescuer. In every page of the Bible, God is a rescuer. This story, the, the, what I read to you, remember you were slaves in Egypt and then God brought you out. It's over and over and over and over. It's like almost to the point where like, I got it. I got it already. I don't know if I ever told you about um, when I was in seminary, there was, a, there was an older couple. They were in their 70s. And uh, especially the, the wife, her name was Helene Royster. And she was just a seasoned giant of the faith. And uh, we would have these long phone conversations. She saw me as a young seminarian that needed more than the seminary could ever get. <laughs> and uh, I had, you know, been in music. And as many of you know, I achieved a lot in music. And so, you know, when you achieve a lot, your ego comes right up on there with it. And I think she could see that. And Mrs. Royster would call me and say, you know, somewhere in the conversation, I'll almost anticipate, Steve, you got to be approachable. Meaning, you know, all the achievements that you made, you know, I know you're proud of yourself, but you can't, you can't let that be the centerpiece. You got, you got to be approachable. I'm like, okay, thank you, Mrs. Royster. Appreciate that. Next conversation, Steve, I got to tell you, you got, you know, approachability. I'm like, got it. Mm-hmm. I got it. Yeah. I'm not kidding you when I say a minimum of 300 times that woman said that. <laughs> Why? Because she knew something in her old and seasoned years. She knew that human beings don't get it on the first time. Apparently, they don't get it on the second hundredth time. <laughs> you know all I needed was an apple chip or a raisin. Then I would have gotten it. I would have really gotten it at that point. This is what we can't forget. In Deuteronomy 5 and 6, I am the Lord your God. I am the one that brought you out of Egypt. And if you are in Egypt right now, a dry part of your life where God's not part of it, God said, let me bring you out. And this is great news, by the way, because it's horrible news that religion says you've got to get it right enough. That's horrible news because you, you can't. And it's frustrating and it's confusing and it's scary. And religion, religion feeds on scary the hope that you can get it right enough and you won't know until you take your last breath and you better hope you got it right. Boy, there's no comfort in that at all. And yet God said, you can know now. You can know the rescuer now because I'm going to step into your life and do what you cannot. I am the Lord your God who brings you and brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, I think it's important to understand how that happened. So let me you know, take hundreds of years and put it in 60 seconds. If you've ever been on an international travel uh, uh, time, 
One of the things that you know that you should never, ever do, and there's a lot, there's a lot of things you shouldn't do. You shouldn't drink the water and, you know, most other countries, you know, it's going to, it's going to get you. And so that comes with, Hey, you probably shouldn't eat raw vegetables because they've been washed in the water that you shouldn't drink. You shouldn't get ice cubes because they're made of the water. You shouldn't drink, et cetera, et cetera. There are some signals, you know, that are okay for us as Americans, you know, hand signals that are, do not work there. Even good signals, you know, you have to say, Hey, that's, you know, so I like in some current countries in Latin America, you never do this, you do this, right? So you you learn all these things and those things, but you'll make it, you know, even if you offend a few people by, hey, come over here and you really have offended them by that hand gesture, you'll make it. But one of the things you won't make is if you lose your passport. That's, that's the big one. That's at the top. So I take pictures of my passport. I memorize my passport number. I memorize everything on that passport number. I memorize my credit card. I memorize in just case everything washes away and gets ripped off, et cetera. I've got those numbers. The passport out of Egypt was Passover. The passport was Passover. What do I mean? Here comes the 60-second drill. God said, we're going to make a way. The passport out of Egypt comes and a lamb that's going to be slaughtered and you're going to paint the blood of the lamb on the, the, the doorpost of your home. Now, if you don't know anything about the Bible, it just got really weird, didn't it? I mean, what? You're going to take an animal and put blood on the doorpost? Yeah, we do that every Thursday around their house. I mean, it's just, well, let's face it, that seems unusual. But God has said that the life of a creature is in the blood. We look at blood as like, ah, but blood is life. You lose your blood, you lose your life. It's the system, the circulatory system that God put in that gives us life. Every living creature that God, well, most, I can't say every living creature. I'm looking at my son like, that's not true. That's not, <laughs> many creatures <laughs> have, have uh, you know, the blood, and the blood is the life for us as human beings. God set up a system because of our sin and our brokenness, he said, I, I, you know, my justice, it, it drives me to punish. It, it's perfect justice. The crime must be punished. But because of my compassion, because God is equally as passionate and perfectly compassionate as he is just, then we are going to, I just can't let the crime go. So instead of having a human being, I'm going to transfer it over to an animal that doesn't have a soul. It's not going to have an eternal consequence. And that animal must be without flaw. It's going to be a lamb. And we're going to, we're going to put that blood. And the signal to God is, I remember your plan. I remember the rescue plan. And we're going to cover our home in the blood of a perfect lamb. Now, even though that may be, seem strange to you if you're new to the Bible, it is the plan of God. And the plan of God is always consistent and perfect. There's nothing in the plan like, well, God's going to change it up. And so when we come to the New Testament, God says, I am going to send the ultimate lamb. And the ultimate lamb was the son of God, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross to shed his blood, the blood of a perfect lamb, so that we can find through God's mysterious and miraculous plan, we can find a way out of Egypt. The Passover 
is the passport out of Egypt. There is no other way out of Egypt. There isn't negotiations. There isn't religion. Religion is not the passport. Being good enough is not the passport. Negotiating with God is not the passport. It's God's plan, and God said the Passover is the, pla- the, 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 um, the passport. Thank you. Feel free to help me out. <laughs> I should give you an apple chip. <laughs> the challenge that God gives to, to his people is this. He said, now listen, here's the good thing. When God created the heavens and the earth, there were two things. There was ex nilo and tohu wabohu. Oh, that's crazy. Ex nilo means he made it from nothing. Let there be light. Like, whew, and there was light. But you'll remember that darkness covered the earth. And from that darkness, God also allowed land to surface. And so he created out of darkness, but he created also light. The first two songs that we sang this morning. The first one was about the rescue, that, that where we're at and we need it rescued. The second one was about that we are a child of God and God makes us in such a way that there is a promised land. Okay, if you're in Egypt, the promised land is invisible to you. You don't know what it looks like. And so God said, hey, go on in, get some produce, bring it back out, just to give you a flavor. God gives us a flavor of our future by bringing Christ down to us and him telling us and showing us what the future, the invisible future is going to be. You're in Egypt right now, but we're heading into an invisible promised land. There's an amazing memory that's almost like, wow, I want to remember what the promised land is, but there's also this memory of Egypt. And it's a beautiful combination. But God said, be careful, because if you don't think about it and you don't remember it, you're going to forget in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses says, hey, it's when you have eaten and you're satisfied in the new land, in your new comfort zone, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given to you. But be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God. Be careful. I gave you this memory and this command to Sabbath and uh, intentionally reflect for a purpose. In Psalm 106, we read the same thing. This was the commentary. When our fathers were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They gave no thought of how incredible it is, how how it's it's a miracle. Sometimes when I go to explain the cross, I'm at at a loss, just to be honest, from a human standpoint. What do I mean by that? Jesus died on a cross. His blood was shed for our salvation and our sins. I, I can say those words. But what's a mystery, especially for those of you that are still in that Egypt place? What's a mystery? And will always be a mystery. Is that when Christ was on that cross, God miraculously and mysteriously transferred our sins onto him as his plan. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. And how do we know that's true? Because we're like, okay, well, maybe it's just written in the history books. Because when you pass through the passport of the Passover, God removes the guilt. And you can't pay enough money to get that. Every Christ follower sitting in this room, every Christ follower sitting at home will say to you, 
It's not that I've just checked the box of Christianity. I have a peace in my heart that the Passover lamb has taken away the sin and the guilt. That doesn't happen through religion. It's a mystery. It's a miracle. And so what he's saying is when our fathers were in Egypt, they forgot about the miracle of the rescue. We wake up this morning and say, God, thank you for the miracle and the mystery of the cross of Christ where my sins, my sins, sins of the world, yeah, but my sins were transferred on the cross and they were, they were absorbed by the Savior, the Lamb of God. They did not remember your many kindnesses. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things while they were still in Egypt. You get the picture? This memory that God has given to us is, is driven by the worship and the thanksgiving. They were like, God, thanks so much for coming into Egypt. Because you could have stayed home, but you came. Thanks for sending Jesus. This is what we, so today we're celebrating the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper is our spiritual Egypt to remember, to pause and Jesus said, hey, don't, don't give this up. Why? Because he's like Mrs. Royster. <laughs> you need to do it frequently. You need to remind yourselves. Don't like, eh, I was in Egypt, but now I'm not. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. No, God said, no. Watch this. In Ephesians chapter 2, the, the, the passage begins with the word remember. Remember that you were separate from Christ. Remember, God is saying, I want you to actually reflect back on the day when you didn't have Christ. Your anxiety was higher. You were selfish. You were about your own plan. You had no assurance of heaven, of the promised land. There were many things in your life. God said, don't forget. Don't just say like, whoa, that's over. No, reflect on that because you'll appreciate you were separate from Christ without hope. Without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of the, of the Lamb of God, our Passover, our passport, Christ. I mean, there it is. That's what God's like, Sabbath on that, hover on that. It's, the Sabbath is not just like, I'm not going to do anything, I'm just going to sit at home. No, the Sabbath is about remembering Watch this, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Egypt has gone, the promised land has come. The old has gone, the new has come. So when Christ sat with his disciples at the Lord's Supper, as we say, at that last meal he had with them, we, we get a commentary in 1 Corinthians 11. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed by Judas, he took a piece of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it in half. And he said, this is a picture of my body. It's going to be beaten. It's going to be broken for you. Hey, guys, remember this. That's basically what he's saying. Remember this. Don't forget the passport. 
Then in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you do it, on a Sunday morning, June 11th, 2023, remember. Remember. Do it intentionally. Remember. You shall proclaim the Passover, the passport, the pass-through, the Lord's death, until he comes. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper today, I engage you to to think about life before Christ without hope, without God in the world. Because I believe that it will appreciate, help you appreciate what we're remembering today. It's so easy. Let me speak to those of you that have been a Christian for a while. Listen, it really is easy for us to sing the songs, say the phrases, read the same Bible verses over and over, and lose the romance, and lose the, the, that, that memory of how miraculous and how thankful we are. So let me invite you into that as well, we pray. <laughs> Father, thank you today for the beautiful gift of memory. As with all things, God, you've invited us to use it for your glory for your purposes. It seems like such an intangible thing. It's an invisible thing. No one can see our, a slideshow of our memories. And so, God, it would be an easy thing to overlook. But now we Sabbath right here today, meaning that we make this moment distinctive, holy, set apart to stop. I pray that Whatever clutter is going into our, in our minds, our anxieties, our angst, our struggles, our challenges, our arguments, that we just pause them. And we pause them, God, with an intentional focus of thanksgiving. Just take a moment, God, even to think for, for what it was like in Egypt and and even for those that came to Christ at a very early age to think of what it would have been had they not. And just reflect on the, the things that we thought were really amazing and really weren't. The ambition that drew, drove us. The fear of the wondering Maybe the, the angst of religion and all the, the trappings that that came with. We remember those days, God. You've told us, remember Egypt. And then we remember, God, your rescue. We remember that Jesus came into our Egypt, was beaten, was broken, was crucified as the Passover lamb that when his blood was running down on that cross, that this was your ultimate plan to get us out of the box, that we might have a relationship with you. No human being can explain the miracle and the mystery of how you've transferred our sins. And yet our guilt, 
our lack of guilt, our peace, the peace that you give, God, when we make that exchange of life is the undeniable evidence that the Passover lamb has died for us. So we remember, God, right now. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the empty grave. We thank you for the rescue. We do pray, God, for those who are experiencing Egypt in their lives because every promised land inhabitant remembers those days. And if that's you, as we're paused here in prayer, and that has resonated with you over the last 30 minutes, God is inviting you. We Sometimes we think that it's our human logic. It's not. We, we sometimes think, oh, that's a good idea. I should probably have God in my life. No, that's not it. It's a supernatural movement of God revealing himself to you and revealing your need in Egypt and revealing, to be honest with you, your helplessness to get out. Because unless you come to the place of helplessness, you won't need help. But when you come to that beautiful and horrible place, very difficult to say, God, I can't get out. That is the most beautiful place because that's when you'll reach to God. I wonder right now, who's right at that moment? God, I need you. I need you. And I want to trust in the miracle of your plan, Jesus Christ the Passover lamb on the cross who died for me. So right now, whatever I'm trusting, would this be your prayer? Whatever I'm trusting in, I trust in Christ. Now I put it all aside and I trust in Christ alone. Would that be your prayer? I'm going to put all my dependence on Christ, the passport, Christ, the Passover lamb. I may not fully understand it, but here's one thing I do know. I'm in Egypt and I can't get out. So I call on God. I call on Jesus as Savior. Say, God, rescue me through Christ. I trust in Christ alone. Is that your prayer? We're praying for you. There are people all around this room right now, people at home praying for you because we know what it was like, how difficult that passage, that that time in our life, that chapter in Egypt. We're praying for you. Don't overcomplicate it. Simply trust in Christ. Exchange your old life. Be willing to turn it in. Say, God, this is the life I'm leading. I'm tired of leading my own life. I want you to lead it now. Father, we thank you, God, for the the symbol of this bread and juice, the picture that it paints for us to remember. We ask that you Not just bless it, but bless this time where we remember our great Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.